Coming to you live from Plugkid Studios in beautiful Largo, Florida, we are keeping you plugged in with episode 438 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology. This week, Dell discontinues a commodity, Facebook downplays news, and Apple buys obscurity. This show is a proud uh, part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we are here, and wherever you are, and uh, <clears throat> however you're joining us, whether it be Facebook, iTunes, the m- myriad of uh, podcatchers on Android, Windows Phone, um, Google+, wherever you're finding us, or of course, on our apps, pluggitslive.com slash apps, thank you for making us part of your day. <clears throat> of course, uh, this is F5 Live, our flagship show on the Plug Hits Live family of content, we are live every Sunday night at about 9 p.m. Eastern Time. We go for about an hour. We talk about gadgets, gaming, internet, media, kind of whatever is happening uh, during the week. <clears throat> if you want to join us live on Sunday nights, you can do that by going to f5live.tv slash join us. One of the cool things about joining us live is that you can chat with us in the studio. You can... Uh, you can participate in the conversations that we're having. Uh, one of the places that tends to be the most uh, popular, of course, is Avram's segment uh, coming up in a little bit. The Pilch Point, uh, where this week we will be talking about uh, Microsoft and their lawsuit and the things that that means both for the industry and for you. Um, and so we definitely will want your input on that as we talk about it. And you can do that Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern by going to f5live.tv slash join us. And if you don't want to join us live, that is okay. If you're joining us uh, via any of our subscriptions, thank you for doing that as well. If you'd like to subscribe to our show or any of our other shows, including the Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, uh, our special events, the nightcap, um, the 3000 Brigade podcast, our new show, First Looks, or any of the several new shows that are coming very soon. Uh, I just had a couple of pitches uh, in a meeting last night. Uh, You can do that by going to f5live.tv and clicking on the subscribe buttons on the right-hand side of the website, or you can find us in your favorite podcatcher. If we're not there, please let us know. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and wherever. Let us know uh, that there's a place we are not, and we will try to get there as quickly as possible. This week is going to be a pretty normal show, which is going to be nice. I promise um, I'm going to do everything in my power not to cry this week. (laughs) Um, And we've got a lot of news. um, But Abram, how are you doing? Good. Good. I'm I'm glad to be here on a normal show (laughs) uh, talking about normal stuff. Yes, indeed. Uh, on, uh, and uh, with you, so you know it's, uh, and I'm, and I'm glad that I get to sleep in tomorrow because it's because we have July Fourth off. So uh, exciting times! I was going to ask, do you have any plans for tomorrow? We're probably we're going to see if we can go to one of the local fireworks displays uh, with my son, and uh, if we. <laughs> If we can get there and it isn't too ridiculously crowded, then we will 
then we will go and witness some fireworks. If not, we will stay home and continue to hear people in the neighborhood making ridiculous firecracker noises that sound like they're hitting my house. Uh, but I understand that. Uh, my dog over the last couple of days has been hiding in the hallway or closets or anywhere he can get as far away from windows so that he does not have to hear the noise of explosions. They, they say that they being dog and cat experts that this is a really tough time for for animals Mm -hmm. uh i used to just to digress for two seconds i used to live in an apartment that was right next to the east river in Uh new york city and we had the macy's fireworks spectacular (laughs) just a few feet from my apartment we could literally look if we went up on the roof we could get a really good view and if we just looked out our our window at the right angle, we could see him. Okay. Like with literally not leaving the house. Got it. Uh, and yet I thought my cats would totally freak out. They were interested. They were like, what's this out the window? But they weren't scared. <laughs> okay. Well, that's, I guess that's good because it could have been a whole lot worse. Yeah. They could have totally freaked out. They could have, they could have totally freaked out. Like they my were, dog. <laughs> I can't, I can't blame him. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't blame him either. It's a weird time of year. Uh, my family tends to go to there's a there's a park in Clearwater that's actually pretty well known, Coachman Park, and they've got um, a nationally known uh, fireworks event, and so that tends to be what we do. Um, actually, uh, for for longtime viewers of the show and our special events stuff. Uh, DJ Jake Dela Cruz, who uh, was on our first robotic, it was called something else at the time, Robocon coverage uh, a couple years ago. Um, he is actually the opening musical act for the event, which is pretty cool. He's like 15 or 16 now and incredibly talented. So I'm really excited to get to go support him at an event that I'm not in any way involved in putting on. <laughs> That sounds that sounds great. I don't know if they've invented music around here. I don't know if they'll actually have music it'll, or it'll just be like exploding things. <laughs> but uh, we will find out. Do, do you mean that you don't know if there'll be music during the fireworks or that you're not sure yeah. that anybody in the area has ever played music before? No, I, I think, I, I mean, as far as, we're not that backward. I think as far as I think as far as during fireworks, Got I don't know if they're going to have live live music if they've conceived of doing it that in that cool of a way. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll find out. They tried that with our show a couple of years ago, and I don't think they were happy with how it went. And they've never tried it again. Yeah. So, but that's okay. So we've got. Some uh, tech news to talk about. It's why we're here after all, right? So let's get into that. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live are proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Right now, students, you can get a Surface plus an Xbox One bundle starting at 878 which is uh, up to $500 off the retail price. You get 
And here's our answer to our question from earlier, Avram. Here's what you can do. Build the bundle yourself, your choice of a Surface Book or Surface Pro 4, an Xbox One console, plus an extra Xbox One controller, a free game of your choice, and a $50 Microsoft Store gift code, which with the, uh, the coming update for the Xbox One in the next uh, a couple of weeks, uh, it probably comes with the anniversary update for uh, desktop and uh, phone, um, you have access to the Microsoft Store directly uh, through your Xbox One console, so you can use it on your Surface or your Xbox One. And with all these new games coming, you can play. You can buy the game once, play it on your Surface and your Xbox One uh, anywhere you are. Really great uh, bundle. Of course, if you're not a student, that's okay. There's lots of other deals right now. Um, save up to $250 on a Surface Book and Dock bundle. You can get the new Xbox One S. There's lots of stuff. Uh, anything Microsoft you can get by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. All right, speaking of Microsoft, let's actually stay on Microsoft-ish <laughs> for once. Um, it, was, uh, it was announced this week that uh, Dell has decided that Android tablets are essentially too much of a commodity and not enough of a technology any longer to uh, warrant their continued participation in the market. Uh, Dell will, has, has discontinued their venue uh, Android tablet product line and not just discontinued the product line. This is the thing that I thought was interesting. They have already disbanded the uh, division, which means that there will be no future updates to models that are already out in the wild. So if you have a Dell Venue Android tablet today, you will not be getting Android Nougat. Period. The you, end. Bye-bye. You didn't get Lollipop yet either, so I'm not oh. sure. Oh, you haven't gotten Lollipop yet? I don't think so, So there's no. several versions back. Yeah. So you haven't been getting updates anyway. Yeah, I mean, here's the... This is an interesting question. I was debating this mentally... Uh, and and with some people at work the other day, the Dell Venue Eight Seven Thousand, arguably the best Android tablet, uh, one of certainly one of the best Android tablets sure. ever made, hardware wise. Mm -hmm. Really, really fantastic tablet. A few months ago, it it I mean it came out in January 2015, so it's not new at all. Sure. But 18 months out, you know, and, and I think actually technically we got it in January, but it may have even come out in December of, of 2014. So it's been out there. Okay. However, how much innovation is there in Android tablet hardware? Not a lot. Right. So it it it's still hardware wise is one of the best ever. Uh, it's super duper thin. It's made of this really nice aluminum uh the screen is unbelievable. It has almost no bezel. It's like ridiculously colorful. I think it's like it's like 2K or 3K, you know, for an 8-inch tablet that's wow. great. It's tiny. The battery life is like ludicrous, really, really, really long. Uh, and the least of the features, which, you know, was kind of blah, is that it has the real sense camera in the back 
that allows you to do some distance measuring, uh, but is not a real, a true real sense camera right. because it doesn't allow you to do 3D modeling and things like that. It's a, it's only for stills. So, uh, I mean, the camera when it came out was kind of a gimmick that 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 wasn't that exciting. But the device, I remember that. The device. Did, did you is bring fantastic. it up? Did you bring that on the show? I'm pretty sure I did. I think you, I, okay. I reviewed it. So I reviewed it and I said exactly that. At, I said exactly that at the time and I stand by and I stand by it too. That all uh, sounded familiar to me. That's why. <laughs> you know, but here yeah, I'm just pulling up the battery life for the heck of it. Um, but you know, the screen on that thing was still un still really really nice it's still one of the best looking android tablet i've ever used you know it's still just a ludicrously nice tablet now a few months ago i don't know if this is going to happen again my i would bet that it is all right so it lasted nine hours and 47 minutes on our battery test uh that's pretty good right um you know the average for a tablet now is eight eight fifty, so it's an hour above average. Anyway, point being, if that tablet is out now and you could is on a big sale now and you could get it for one hundred eighty dollars, which it was on that sale a few weeks ago before they announced that they were killing the venue line, uh, would you buy it if you were interested in an Android tablet at all? Uh, would you buy it knowing that it's going to probably stay on KitKat? It's never going to Android Nougat. Right. Probably not. There's probably no ROM for Android Lollipop either. Um, does it matter? And and that, I think, is the interesting question for all Android devices. Because when you buy an Android device, you should probably expect that it's going to stay at whatever version of Android you purchased it at. That is a sad fact, but it's true of something that is brand new. It's as true of a model that is brand new from a company that is uh, still very much in the Android business uh, as it is for Dell, because you know Sam even Samsung, who promises to you know upgrade their Galaxy S7 and well, I'm sure we'll promise to update their Galaxy Note 7 to Nougat. You know, it could be six months, a year before folks see those upgrades, by, by which time we'll probably be on Android Oreo or whatever the, the O version is. So, you know, getting being guaranteed to get an upgrade, you probably shouldn't count on it unless you buy a an Android device directly from Google and Nexus, like the Nexus 6P. Right. Uh, you should, you know, you should expect. It, it's sad. I, I mean, I, I can't defend the practice. I'm a big fan Android fan, but I can't defend the practice yeah. that you that you don't get updates. But I'm not sure that people who are interested in say buying a venue or just bought a venue uh, with KitKat are going to be. Um, that much worse off than people who buy a brand new Samsung tablet uh, for for two hundred bucks. If if it helps anybody make a decision on whether to purchase this on any kind of a fire sale or not, I am looking at um, Cyanogen, and there are ROMs for it. 
So that's the good news is that folks like Cyanogen are out there making ROMs. Um, you know, on the other hand, I think depending on how popular your device is, yeah. you may never, even the uh, off-market ROMs, you may never see something that great. Like I would love to upgrade. I have a Galaxy Note 3 Verizon phone. That's my right. phone. As I've had it for almost three years. Mm -hmm. uh, I rooted it and upgraded it to Lollipop, to Android 5. Point, I think it's 5.01, not 5.1, uh, that's on mine, because someone had, had found it, had created a version of it. But I've been looking around. There's no version of, of it with, like five, with a newer Lollipop or with Nougat um, coming. I mean, even if... It's difficult because unlike Windows where somebody could just say, here's a driver, like, oh, you have a different CPU, you have a different Wi-Fi card, no problem, here's a driver. Yeah. The way that Android works is like you need to have a different ROM. Mm -hmm. If your phone is on Verizon and requires a Verizon modem, then if your phone is on T-Mobile. So because the model isn't hardware flexible like that, mm -hmm it's hard for third parties to to make good ROMs for these things. Yeah. Somebody has to actually care enough to create and support a ROM for just your phone on your carrier. Right. You got the Verizon Note 3. You can't download the ROM for the Sprint Note 3 or right. for the AT&T Note 3 or for right. the T-Mobile Note 3 or for the international one. So... That's that's what makes it difficult. Absolutely. So I guess I'm getting away from the topic of, of Dell dropping Android. That's okay. I think it's good. I think it's inevitable that more companies like Dell would, would walk away from the platform. There isn't a lot of demand for Android tablets. Especially, and in this particular case, Dell is a, a little bit more of a special case because Dell is not, like their bread and butter isn't consumers which is what Android's bread and butter is, right? They, yeah. Dell lives in the enterprise space. That's where their sales come from. They sell to consumers almost out of habit because it's where they started. I don't. I, I think he could make a, a case to stop selling in retail if he wanted to. Um, just computers in general. I th you know, he could almost say, you know, uh, we're just going to focus entirely on enterprise and the investors may not bat an eye at it. Um, and so with that, here you've got them getting out of Android so that they can focus their attention on Windows, which for Dell totally makes sense. Well, you know, they also weren't known as, a, except for this one Venue 8, which was, you know, mm. fantastic product. Right. Uh, they were not really known as an Android shop. Right. So I don't think anybody's going to miss them. You mean They're, you mean the fact that this is the second time they've discontinued their participation in the Android ecosystem? <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody's going to miss them. Um, I do think there's an interesting question for the major... Um, the major enterprise suppliers, mm -hmm. which I would peg, which I peg as Dell, HP, and Lenovo. Um, one could argue that Apple, even though Apple doesn't really, Apple's huge in the business space, but they don't really 
do a lot to accommodate business. Yeah. Um, Toshiba has their business line, but they don't even sell direct anymore. And they're kind of everything they make right now is a little bit sad, unfortunately. You know, Acer yeah. has has some travel mates, but I don't think that they have a serious enterprise play. Uh, so if you're really talking about the serious enterprise, you know, small, even small to medium business PC vendors, there's three. There's Dell, there's HP, and there's Lenovo. Yeah. Um, used to be the case, you could argue that you need to ha- provide a phone, you need to sell phones if you're selling the servers and the laptops and the desktops because we're trying to be the one-stop shop for our customers. Now, the f- I don't know how many businesses these days actually, uh, aside from the government or whatever, actually provide people with with company-issued phones anyway. Right. Uh, but this certainly says, uh, you know, Dell is not going to, you know, not likely to play in that space. Um, Lenovo has an entree into that space from owning Motorola. Motorola, yeah. Uh, although. I haven't seen the real push for them to try and make enterprise-friendly phones. They could, but they haven't. You know, where's the ThinkPad phone? Um, you know, at one point, Dell did have Venue phones. Uh, yes, they did. And HP, uh, you know, of course, they had their famous acquisition and destruction of Palm. Uh-huh. Uh, but they do have that new phone company, I forget what it's called, that's supposed to be designed around Windows Continuum. Yes. <laughs> Which, remind me after the show to talk to you about. I have information. So, you know, I think there's an interesting question as to whether someone who wants to be, like, the, the one-stop shop for enterprise yeah. needs to, have a, to be a little bit more facile uh, in mobile because people in enterprise are going to use tablets sometimes Mm -hmm. and are going to use phones sometimes. Uh, But at the same time, those are probably things that they're going to bring on their own to the business. And what the office has to supply are things that are based on Windows 10. So I don't don't blame them. Uh, My boss, Mark Spoonauer, made the observation that he thinks that it's just another nail in the coffin of Android tablets. And uh, I think I think he's right that in general, Android tablets as a group are not not very compelling. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, all right, and with that, this week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch. It's proudly powered by Monster Products. As you've seen over the last couple of years, we have basically all in the studio been wearing uh, Monster headphones. They're my favorite because uh, Noli, the head monster, decided a long time ago that he wanted to make headphones that were different. And by different, he meant that sounded the way they're supposed to sound. And that's what he calls pure monster sound. The way we record it, the way we produce it, is exactly how you're going to hear it when you use a monster headset. Whether it be for for music or speaking or whatever, you know, audiobooks, podcasts, uh, all of it sounds exactly the way it was intended to sound. 
The headphones I have on right now, the Monster Elements, I've been wearing them for six or seven months now, <clears throat> are officially <laughs> in the wild. Um, you can pick them up uh, normally 279 intro price 249 right now. Uh, they're Bluetooth and wired. Wonderful, wonderful headsets. I absolutely love these. The ones I used to wear, the uh, DNAs are also available. The DNA Pros, in-ear, on-ear, over-ear, Bluetooth, uh, wired, all available by going to f5live.tv slash monster. And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Avram Pilch. Avram, there you are. I am. <laughs> I am here. And I am here on using a Windows 10 computer, I might add. And I'm not even suing Microsoft like some <laughs> people. So, well, well, that's good. <laughs> no, um, that's kind of my quick way of breaking into today's topic. <laughs> Which we discussed on LaptopMag.com, and I discussed on Twitter where I'm at Geek and Chief, and we certainly have some info about this Windows 10 stuff on LaptopMag.com and Tom'sGuide.com. And like you pointed out a couple of weeks ago, if you want to participate in uh, the more lengthy conversations about topics with Avram, finding him on Facebook tends to be the place where we yes. have the more interesting conversation. Yes, I should really, I should really say, say that. I like Facebook better than Twitter. Um, anyway, so uh, some, may or, some may not be aware that a uh, kind of interesting little news tidbit with some frightening, uh, which to me sets a frightening precedent, uh, came out uh, last week, and that is a... Uh, a travel agent in in Sausalito, California, uh, successfully sued Microsoft uh, over a what she calls a forced Windows 10 update uh, that that broke her computer. Uh, she won ten thousand dollars from Microsoft, and rather than appeal, Microsoft dropped the case. So you can say this woman got her ten thousand uh, dollars. Now, we can get to the facts of the case as we know them in a minute, but uh, this, is, this is kind of on the falling at the same time when we're seeing very aggressive tactics by Microsoft to try and push people to upgrade from Windows 7 or 8 to 10 while it's still a free upgrade. Uh, and some people are unhappy about the aggressive tactics. Um, recently, although they said that they're going to, they're stopping this, uh, there was some controversy where the upgrade to Windows 10 program that appears in your system tray, if you're on 7 or 8, um, people closed it by hitting the X in the window thinking that was going to close the update, but it just closed the alert and they were still getting, getting upgraded to Windows 10 uh, without realizing that they were. Uh, tactics like that obviously... Uh, don't don't work in Microsoft's favor. People feel deceived, um, but I think it's a little bit frightening when you think about the principle that someone was able to successfully sue uh, a software vendor. Let's put aside this is Microsoft, a software vendor for an automatic update. Um, Part of the problem with Windows 10 is it's not been posed as an automatic update. It's been posed as an optional update. 
perhaps Microsoft should just be really straightforward and say, like, look, you got to update. Um, because if you use an Android phone and you are lucky enough to be one of those handful of people whose companies do upgrade, update you, going back a few minutes to our conversation about how you never get upgraded when you're on Android, if Samsung and Verizon want you to have an upgrade, you cannot avoid it. I mean, you can hack your phone to avoid it, but through normal everyday means, you will be getting that upgrade. And sometimes you'll even be getting that upgrade when you don't when you don't realize it. Like, you know, when your phone is asleep, when you're, you know, you're you're, you're asleep and your phone is asleep, your phone may be running the upgrade the upgrade. So mm-hmm. Microsoft has actually been, I think, more transparent to users about their free upgrade program than a lot of mobile providers are. Um, and what they're giving you is a pretty valuable update from your perspective and to be fair, from Microsoft's perspective. Like, if you're Microsoft, you don't want people running all, all and sundry old versions of Windows. You want people running the current version so that you can focus your security patches, your support structure, all that stuff on this new version. If you're a user, you also probably want to be on the new version because that future-proofs you. Um, It also is going to allow you, let's say that none of the myriad new Windows 10 features is exciting to you. You're not excited about Cortana. You're not excited about the faster boot times and wake times. You're not excited about um, the improved multitasking. You're not excited about the better inking for pen because you don't have pen. You're not excited like about all, all these different things that, that Windows 10 offers that you don't have in 7 or 8. You should be interested in the fact that things are going to stop supporting the 7 and 8 7 and 8 in the near future and that there's a whole new generation of apps, universal apps that will not run on 7 or 8. So Microsoft obviously has an interest in promoting their new ecosystem, but you have an interest in joining it. So obviously I encourage everybody that I know, upgrade to Windows 10. It's not that difficult of a learning curve once you've run the update uh, to learn to use. Yeah, the color scheme's a little different. The start menu is a little different than maybe what you used to in Windows 7. There are ways around that, though. We have a lovely article on LaptopMag.com called How to Make Windows 10 Look and Feel Like Windows 7. And you can get a start menu and colors and schemes and everything that look a lot like 7. But the bottom line is that you've got the security and the flexibility of Windows 10. Now, I think this lawsuit, though, is... I think Microsoft should have fought it because I think it sets a very dangerous precedent. We don't know whether this woman was quote unquote forced to do the update. You know, what does that mean? She probably saw a dialog box that she didn't realize was there. She ignored and was updated. Um, she also, you know, says that the thing crashed her entire computer. I don't know. I guess we'd have to get into that further to figure out whether that was totally true or not. Right. Uh, but. You know, 
nobody I know feels sorry for Microsoft in this. They're Microsoft. They have deep pockets. I guess the feeling is, why not let them pay somebody $10,000? The problem I have is this all of a sudden starts to make things that are really automatic updates seem tentative. Like, what if I'm an app developer and I realize that my app has a security hole in it, so I push out, I push out an update to that, um, but you don't like something that I change, so you sue me. You know, like, I think it's, I think it's a very dangerous precedent. Now, one thing that you, you and I were talking about offline is how, in the first place, can an individual in California sue Microsoft? Microsoft, right. like most wealthy companies, has a pretty well-researched and written uh, user agreement, otherwise known as a EULA. And if you read the fine print in that when you hit accept, it says that there's, I think you have binding ar arbitration is the only thing that you, can, you can't sue. Right. So how is she able to sue and get $10,000? Well, I have an answer. Apparently... Uh, this woman lives in California, and California has a law about something called an implied warranty that overrides all EULAs, so that overrides existing agreements. So, under California law, she was able to sue. She filed a suit in small claims court, not uh, you know, not a major lawsuit with lawyers. Uh, so it was probably cheaper for Microsoft to just say, okay, you know, lawyers are very expensive. We don't need, we don't need to, to pay any more money to lawyers to litigate this. Just let her keep her $10,000. Because it would, cost, it would cost a lot more than the 10000 from the legal team to get into the conversation. Yes. The, the problem I have with this, though, is that they should have spent the money <laughs> because, you know, I'm happy to spend their money for them. But they <laughs> I think I think they should have spent the money on lawyers because someone else is going to see this as their entree into filing a lawsuit against Microsoft. Right. And maybe now it may be more difficult when you bring in real lawyers and it's not ten th it's larger claims. Sure. But, you know, if this woman succeeded, don't you think there's somebody out there thinking class action lawsuit about Windows 10 updates? Uh -huh. I mean, so I, I think it's scary because you really, you know, the precedent set with Microsoft is the same precedent that applies to people uh, with a free version of Linux. You know, what happens when they issue an update and someone's unhappy with it? There has to be a little bit of a you know, caveat emptor or, you know, I guess you didn't buy anything, but a, a little bit of an, an implied risk of using an operating system and no, or a piece of software and knowing that it gets, it gets over the air updates. Right. Yeah, I totally agree as, as a developer, <laughs> um, knowing that software is updated is a big part of the, the world, right? Especially like, Think about the internet, right? The internet is all software and it gets updated without your permission and it may ruin your perception of it. Should should Yahoo have been subject to to uh, a lawsuit over the change of interface for Yahoo Mail? No, of course not. 
and you can't roll back. You know what I mean? Like right. it's not with cloud-based software. That's it. You you want last year's Gmail? Too bad. Sad story. So you can't even get that in the Wayback Machine. <laughs> Find a <laughs> screenshot and cry over it. You know, it, it's not. You know, so I mean. I, maybe I'm being cruel to people who who want an earlier version of Windows. I mean, I get it. I wasn't a big fan of Windows 8, uh, so I get it why some people might might feel like they need to stick. But you know, in in a way, like you need to be able to move to move the ecosystem forward. There's a lot of people right now who are running Windows XP, which is no longer supported at all. At all, and. Uh, you know, there are people who are surfing the web with Internet Explorer 6, uh, which is full of security holes and makes websites look like horror, look like horror shows. Um, That's a good way of describing it. And, you know, unfortunately, there may be a time, and this is not just me talking, there may be a time when people who are using outdated software that puts the rest of the internet at risk uh, are actually liable for that in some way. I was reading a completely unrelated to this situation article uh, on, I think it was The Atlantic this week, where they were talking about um, someone at the professor at the University of Rochester, a security professor, was suggesting that people who don't run patches on their computers, whose computers then become part of botnets, uh-huh. so their computers are basically zombie computers and are used for attacks without their knowledge, uh, could be held legally liable at some point for not practicing good computer hygiene. So at what point, at what point is your decision not to update your computer, not to have something that's carrying the latest security uh, updates, actually, actually, you know, being a bad netizen, so to speak, sure. because you're putting people in danger? I mean, that's kind of an extreme thing to say, you know, because there's so much software out there on the internet, uh, so many operating systems people can run, but. You know, just just a point of fact, like security updates and being up to date in 2016 matters. Absolutely. And, you know, every little bit makes it better, right? Because we saw this week um, uh, Semantic. It turns out um, is their antivirus turns out to be super easy to bypass. Oops. So every little bit that you have every piece that you can put in place to protect yourself and then therefore others, um, the better. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a serious, it's a serious, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of ways to get attacked and there's a lot of ways to get your computer hacked. Uh, so it's not foolproof even if you are on all this, uh, versions of everything, but by all rights, let's not, Let's not punish the companies that are out there trying to to give you a software update. On the other hand, let's also make it easy and appealing for the for the users to, to do this. I mean, Microsoft is twisting people's arm a little bit. They've set this somewhat arbitrary deadline of July 29th that you have to update by or or, or you won't get the free update. Um, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, they could be a little bit. Uh, they could offer you a little bit more carrot and a little bit less stick. I think, 
to, to update. But still, when you are updated, I don't think you should be able to sue. I definitely agree on that. So, um, I guess with that, before, uh, before we wrap this up, Avram, where can they find out uh, more about this and other topics? So, I highly recommend people check out laptopmag.com where we have over a hundred over a hundred Windows 10 tips, uh, including some to troubleshoot some of the problems with updating to Windows 10. Uh, and of course, we have this lovely article about why you shouldn't be able to sue for Windows 10 uh, and lots of other advice on using using other popular software such as Excel, Word, and PowerPoint. Uh, and on all things that are not related to laptops or to uh, productivity software, but are related to your phone or desktops or, or desktop gaming, uh, check us out at tomsguide.com. And check me out on Facebook and Twitter. All right. And uh, as far as the Pilch Point is concerned, we will see you back next week, though you will be sticking around for the rest of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Origin by Electronic Arts. Uh, Origin has a whole slew of wonderful features. Uh, first and foremost, my favorite, free stuff. How can you not love free stuff? Uh, right now, Knox, totally free. Download it now. Own it forever. Um, but really, the thing that makes Origin special, the thing that I love about it, is Origin Access. For $4.99 a month, you get unlimited play of all of the games in in the vault. And we're not talking like four and five-year-old massively retired games that are available under that $5 thing. We're talking about games like FIFA 16, uh, Battlefield Hardline, Titanfall Deluxe Edition. We're talking about modern right now titles and then some titles that have been around uh, for a little while, but you know, are real classics. SimCity, The Sims 3, you know, uh, Dead Space, that type of stuff also available under there. So probably there are a number of games that you will enjoy no matter who you are, because I am very picky about the games I like to play and there are several in this collection. And for $5 a month to be able to play them all you want, it's really pretty difficult to pass up. So to find out, uh, to download our free game or to join Origin Access, you can go to f5live.tv slash origin. The idea of doing subscription-based gaming products is a, is a great idea. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of subscription-based and, and like cloud-based type gaming stuff uh, taking off. We've, we've talked a lot about like the rise of social and mobile gaming, which has most of them have a very um, social aspect to them and a, a very like cloud-based back end to them. 
And while there are a lot of benefits that can come for, come with that, like being able to pay $5 a month to play the games all you want, there can be um, other problems that go along with it. We'll use Electronic Arts as an example. They shut down their, their Playfish studio a couple of years ago, and with it went games like uh, SimCity Social and things like that, where people had put real-world money into the game that then evaporated out from under them and you could no longer play the game even for free it just went away so you know and and we've talked about that particular problem existing in in the cloud world in general before um outside of gaming uh this week uh ifi the the wireless sd card company announced that um all of their older cards were going to be uh turned off coming up so if you paid for the cards and have been using it sad story um you're not going to be able to anymore so you know there are you know what i have one of those do you is it pre-2015 oh yeah bye bye it's it's, well it's just an sd card now yes so so yeah so just to make people feel a little better it still works as a regular sd card it will still be an sd card which is how i primarily used it because using it uh, using it as an iFi card was a little bit of a pain in the butt. Luckily, the newer ones are not that same pain in the butt, which is why the older ones have been retired, yeah. and the new ones will continue to work. Anyway, so in the gaming world this week, um, a scenario like that was announced that hit me personally. Uh, Microsoft Studios has announced... Um, now, okay, so we knew about this a little bit, but the details of it were announced this week. Um Microsoft Studios announced the details of the end of life of Xbox Fitness. Now, for those of you who are not entirely familiar with Xbox Fitness, it was an Xbox One launch title that was originally done. uh, It was announced to be like uh, the Windows 10 upgrade, where for a certain period of time, uh, Xbox Gold members would get free access to it. And then at some point it would become a paid thing which never turned out to be the case. Xbox Gold members got certain content for free forever, which was really cool. Um, But then there's other content in it from uh, a number of different gyms, men's health. There were all kinds of workout programs that you could then purchase. Uh, P90X had a collection of things. Like these big name companies used the Kinect and the Xbox Fitness platform to put together workout programs that you could do in your living room that the Kinect could help you perfect. So if you were doing things wrong, the Kinect could say, hey, dummy, that's not right, or you're going too slow, things like that. It could help kind of be a virtual coach for you. And it was really great, uh, is really great, because it still exists. Um, I've been using it. It's one of the reasons that I got the Xbox One when I did was for Xbox Fitness. And I've, I've loved it. I've used it a couple times a week for the entire time that I've had my Xbox One. I know I'm not the only one because I have um, achievement battles with people on <laughs> my, my uh, friends list. Um, so here's what's happening. Um, as of already, um, you can no longer purchase new content. So the store is officially closed. Um, you can continue to add the free ones and interact with the free ones if you're a gold member. Um, but you cannot purchase any new content 
already. It's over. Um, any content that you already have will continue to work until the Xbox Gold Li Xbox Live Gold benefits will expire on December 15th, 2016. Um, so all of the free content will close on that day. And... Um, On July 1st, 2017, um, Xbox Fitness will stop functioning entirely. So, if you have spent, let's say, the $90 for the entire P90X collection of content, on July 1st, 2017, you will no longer be able to access it. Do you get your money back? So, there is where the question comes in. Um... I spent a tremendous amount of time reading the comments on the on the announcement post from Microsoft Studios and the general consensus and by that I mean there wasn't a comment on there at all that did not say I want to keep my content or give me my money back. Um and there were lots and lots of comments. There was nobody who was particularly supportive of the decision. Um, yeah, I can't imagine. <laughs> now, now to be fair, you know, like from a development standpoint, I can understand that the product left support about six months ago. They announced that they weren't going to support the thing anymore. Um, but for those people who have purchased or have been using the existing content, to turn it off altogether seems strange to me because it's not like it, it, it's not like they have to continue to build back end or front end services to allow the thing to continue to work. It has been working maintenance free for the last six months. Um, so the suggestions have been uh, allow people to download either the any of the content that is part of their collection right now so that they can shut their backend servers down, which makes sense. I can understand that. Um, or allow us to continue to use our thing as is for a while or something, or at least let us have our money back. There was one person in the comments who said, well, I just bought an Xbox One three weeks ago for Xbox Fitness. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so... There are some people who are not particularly pleased about this for other reasons. People who purchase the console specifically for this purpose and things like that. But um, we do not know what the what the full disposition will be. Um, if there will be any kind of refunds or credits to the store or anything like that for existing users, there's no telling. Um, but they, because they did not talk about it at all. I have a one word for you, Revolve. Are you familiar with Google's Revolve? Interesting. No, I'm familiar with a product from Microsoft by that name. Was it? Am I getting this wrong? I think... Uh, it's not a public product from Microsoft by that name. Ah, uh, okay. Yes, all right. So, yes, Revolve. So, Revolve is uh, a hub... I, I got the name right. Okay. Revolve is a hub that Google bought is a home automation hub. R-E-V-O-L-V -E -V -V was a home automation hub. Google bought them 
They paid 555 Oh, no. I don't know how much they paid. They paid millions of dollars, okay, for Revolve, which was an independent uh, smart home company. Uh, and they recently, in 2014, and they recently announced that they are killing support for Revolve, which was cloud-based. So anyone who owns a Revolve smart hub, your hub is a brick. Um, they apparently did say that they're going to give those folks a refund. Uh, but, you know, uh, when I was on a smart moderating smart home panel a couple of weeks ago, uh, that can't, one of our uh, uh, panelists brought that up as a reason not to trust cloud-based software for your smart home because you can invest in something and then the company making it could decide, meh, I don't want to run this cloud system anymore. Um, and it is a problem that we have in the 21st century that we didn't have in the 80s, you know, <laughs> to get back to last week, right? Because things are made to run in the cloud. Uh, it does kind of, it, it would be interesting to try and figure out how many devices you own that would completely completely fail in their function uh, without if the company that made them went out of business yeah uh, or stopped that doing making those products um, you know to be fair even windows windows will work I mean now you have your Microsoft login and whatever but there's still such a thing as a local login. You could, you if Microsoft went out of business tomorrow, you could still use your Windows seven, eight, or ten computer, you know, uh, competently, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you know, but I wonder how many games, like you know, I I recently got a used PS3 and everything it does, it hits the internet. I have no idea what would happen if like. PlayStation decided to shut down the server. Would would there be some minimum level of minimal level of uh, support? It depends on the game. Uh, like uh, when Microsoft shut down the original uh, Xbox Live servers that supported the first generation Xbox, there was one game left being played, and it was uh, a Halo game, and. Uh, the online multiplayer aspect of the game went away, but the local multiplayer continued to work and the campaign mode continues to work in that game. So if you want to continue to play it, you can. Uh, it's just the online multiplayer went away. So there's that. But the, there's a lot of devices that we've been, you know, we see a lot of stuff to review, I know you do too, that we've been given that it makes you think... Hmm, if this company went out of business, would this product be a brick? I feel that way really strongly about things that you see uh, with Kickstarter and Indiegogo campaigns yeah. as well, right? Like, you know, there are a lot of places selling smart home things and selling cute little robots and so on, and they all have sort of cloud-based control panels. Mm -hmm. I mean, what happens if, you know, what happens if these companies go under? 
I, for, I sincerely when forget. When these companies go under. Right. I forget the name of that. Nothing's forever in technology. I, I forget the name of them, but there was this company that for a couple of years out there that was always trying to get us to review their stuff where they had, it was like a hard drive that you'd put on your desk. I don't know if you ever heard these guys. And it would sync with a hard drive on somebody else's desk. Do you know the one? And like... You, you and your coworker, or whatever, you and your friend in another part of the world would be backing up each other's data. And they said, this is better. They always told me this is better than the cloud because we don't store your data in the cloud. It gets stored on your friend's drive and your drive. And I said, okay, but don't, don't they require the cl- cloud software from you to, to like to route that data from your friend to you? And right. they said, yeah, well, we have a little cloud server. So... I do wonder whether their, you know, thing is still is still good. Uh-huh. You know? I, I have the non-remote sync version of that product uh, yeah. in a box from the move. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I, I remember the company you're talking about. I cannot come up with their name either, though. That was my instant. But I instantly felt the skepticism like, mm-hmm. well, this isn't necessarily going to last. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's that's a serious problem in this day and age. I mean, people remember the horrifying uh, thing that happened a few years ago with uh, Amazon revoking people's Kindle books. You remember that? Yep. I mean, it, it's kind of like that, right? You right. bought something, but you don't really own it because you only own it until whoever is the real owner of it decides to revoke your right to it. Mm-hmm. By all by all rights, uh, Microsoft could say, "I think this would be the wrong thing to do," but they could say, "Well, you had your time with these products. That's what you paid for." You right. know, we never said forever. Right. Yeah. I I have a feeling they're going to solve it one way or another because they always do. Um, when when people get loud enough, Microsoft always seems to solve this type of problem. I don't know how they're going to solve it, but I have a feeling that they will one way or another. I am hoping it will be by allowing me to keep content because I love using the product. Although, to be fair, one of the things that I've I've been saying all week since this announcement is that a lot of the things that were that are Xbox Fitness are currently built into my Microsoft band. In their newest, in some of the newer updates with the uh, the guided workouts and stuff, it's very, it's basically very similar to Xbox Fitness, except it doesn't tell me whether I'm doing it right or not. But I do have a, and a lot of the same uh, programs are available on my wrist and on my phone that were available on Xbox Fitness. So, like, there are solutions to the problem, but there is something particularly special about having the coach. There, there was a particular program that I really like. Um, and there was something special about having the coach on the screen talking to you and then seeing how you were doing and having the connect kind of guide you and doing it better, uh, which is the thing that we'd be losing. Hopefully we won't lose it. We will. They won't let this kind of uh, noise stick around for too long um, is my guess. They don't tend to let the noise stick around too long. <laughs> they tend to solve it pretty quick. So hopefully we'll know soon what's going to happen. Hopefully.
This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000, not the guys who are doing the reboot, are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to, um, well, there we go, that's a good one. Monos, the hands of fate. They have a little bit of everything. The way it normally works is for 3 or $4, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to reside, and laugh and laugh and laugh. Um, they also occasionally do uh, live, live events. Uh, they had one this past week on the uh, 28th. It was a Mystery Science Theater 3000 cast reunion. The good news is, if you missed it, it's okay. It will be coming back to theaters nationwide on July 12th um, in an encore presentation, so you will not have to miss any of the nonsense that was the reunion. Um, you can find out what movies are available and uh, find out what theaters you can see the reunion in by going to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. It's a pretty smart time for a cast reunion considering the new show is coming so pretty smart move anyway so a story that affects the two of us in one way and the people watching and listening in a slightly different way uh facebook has announced another uh major adjustment to their uh algorithm for their facebook news feed and um it is going to filter a lot of the news out of your newsfeed. It's going to put a bit of a priority on things like baby photos and uh, less of a priority on things like um, Avram's articles and my articles and things like that. Um, now, there are ways, if you're a big fan of our stuff, there are ways to, uh, to maintain our content. Um, uh, we've got a guide on how to do that that will be published on the on the site hopefully tonight, and uh, so you can go to plugitslive.com and and see the Facebook article and it'll it'll show you how to how to keep our content fresh and important for you. But um, for for you, if you're a news person and you use Facebook to get a lot of your information. And a lot, you know, there, there are a lot of people who do. I see people share news articles all the time on Facebook. Um, the world is going to be a bit of a different place for you. You're going to possibly have to find your stuff elsewhere and then share it to Facebook, which means that Facebook is likely to have less overall content in pretty short order. Do we know exactly how this is going to work, or do we just know in general that they're going to try and focus more on personal information over news? They have... So I, I have read a lot of the details on the algorithm change, and essentially it's another... It's another step in their downplay of pages and an upplay in... Uh, accounts like uh it was what uh got it a year ago 18 months ago now um that they started only showing 10 percent of posts from pages that you like to you and your news feed unless the 
the page owners paid to have it shown to more people. Um, it was something that George Takei in particular railed against. This is like this is an enhancement of that concept, essentially. So it seems to me, though, that if a piece of information is truly viral, then human beings, human accounts are going to like share it. Are going to share it. Like yeah. they, I guess what they're saying is F5 Live page, Laptop Mag page, people don't want to see your updates as much as they want to see updates from other people. Right. But the updates from other people could be news. Absolutely. Um, the updates, so if that stuff gets shared around, and also I have to believe that uh, like Google, Facebook takes a look at your behavior. Yes. Uh, so if you are clicking on these things, it's probably going to show you more of them. Yes, and that's, that is a big part of the algorithm. If you personally interact with a lot of links from, say, Laptop Mag, right, um, you will see a higher percentage of stuff from Laptop Mag than somebody who doesn't actually click on or like or comment on the articles. They will be kind of pushed to the background for them. Didn't Zuckerberg at one point say, or was this just in the movie where he said in social network where he said the most interesting thing to people is other people. Um, you know, I think that's the purpose of Facebook. So I, I don't really like mind Facebook, uh, people thinking of Facebook as a social network, as opposed to a news network. Sure. Um, you know, now information seems to get out there this way. Uh, they seem to be doing things that actually could make news broadcasting a little bit more interesting. Just this very morning, uh, my wife was amazed uh, and impressed with the new Facebook, the new Facebook Live feature because uh, she turned, she was reading her feed, and somewhere she saw that the local news station was doing a. Uh, a Facebook Live broadcast sure. of a breaking news event. There was some explosion in Central Park, and the mm. reporter was there, and it, like he was using his camera to like show the police tape and everything. And gotcha. she's like, "Wow, that's great!" You know, uh, my reaction to that, though, and it's interesting. This is an internal debate that we have at mm -hmm. Tom's Guy Laptop. Is like, how many eggs do we put in like the Facebook basket? versus say the YouTube basket sure. for video and things like that. And I, I personally come down on the, the YouTube uh, side of, of the argument uh, saying that because Facebook is not searchable uh, that like, you know, people are maybe better off trying to optimize their efforts uh, for things that are gonna show up in a Google search uh, like news for Google News uh, or videos, uh, that, or videos and video events that show up on YouTube because all those things are are Googleable. Sure. Uh, the whole uh, landscape of of Facebook would change, I think, if Facebook opened up their uh, their posts uh, to you know Google Google indexing. Sure. Uh, then. Uh, and their Facebook Live and video stuff to to you know be indexed as part of Google Video. Then, you know, then their stuff would sort of have more news value, I think. I agree. But now, 
Although, on the other hand, one of the things about Facebook Live that's interesting is on a page that that you've liked, if you have not changed your settings, uh, one of the one of the default behaviors is for uh, you to get notifications when a page has gone live. So that's good, like getting the notification. Um, and that's like very much an argument in favor of it. Um, on the other hand, it requires people to have liked it, right? Right. For to, to actually be fans of that versus, right. uh, you know, if you like we have videos that we've done of like see things at CES mm -hmm. people find our hands-on videos or whatever news that we've done and they never heard of us before. Right. But they were interested in the topic. Yep. So we have the same know, thing. Yeah, I understand. So, you know, now I, everybody would love to have a million Facebook followers. Mm -hmm. Please follow, please just come to mind. But, uh, you know, I think so I'm, I have mixed feelings about their, reorganizing around uh around social like kind of um, i don't know people people like taking a step back to be more people focused mm -hmm. i think that's i think that's what people should think of facebook for is the place where you see what your friends are doing uh versus like a serious news event on the other hand sometimes seeing the zeitgeist of what people are talking about uh on facebook does get you informed absolutely i can't say how many times i've seen things that were trending topics on facebook and i was like oh i didn't know that right uh 99 of the time it's actually irrelevant garbage but like you know it's celebrity something it's not like yeah wow there was like a major there was like a nuclear explosion and i missed it and i learned through facebook like you know what i mean right it, it, it's it's usually it's usually not something of great import um but every now and then you learn about I'll learn about somebody some major you know celebrity death or something through there. Sure. Um, but I, I, generally, I think people you know I especially feel this way as a journalist should be looking at like at legitimate news sites for that, or they should be having you know alerts and a feed through services that aggregate uh, like Google News. So you know the fact that Facebook is stepping is doing somewhat something to de-emphasize this. Is probably good for good for news as a you know as an entity as a business. Like I don't know that I want Facebook to be the number one source of news for people. I can I can get behind that too. You know, it may also be the case, just throwing a little something out there, that they have taken some criticism of late. Uh, you, you know, yeah. about maybe prioritizing, allegedly prioritizing one type of news over another. Sure. And they also know that there's a lot of contentiousness in this election season uh, between people getting angry at their friends about yeah. like news or whatever. Sure. So if they pull it back and they're like, hey, why doesn't everybody just look at cat pictures and be happy? Like, it's better for Facebook too, right? Like, sure. I don't know that they want to be a center of political discussion. Like yeah, that. I can, I can see that the the place where people get mad at their friends. I can see how Facebook would not want to be that. Yeah. So, yeah, that exactly. makes sense to me. Anyway, so we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what it what it does to our numbers. I know, in particular, like for us, um, for special events and stuff, our number one source of 
social click-ins is actually from Google+, Plus, which is weird because I guess Google employees like our content. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, Facebook has, has always been our number two uh, for like special events and stuff behind Google Plus with Twitter being our number one for normal day-to-day stuff and Facebook again being number two. So, but it'll be interesting to see what happened to our numbers uh, following this change um, for, I guess, one of the things that both of our companies would uh, recommend is if you do see content from us that you really like, um, Make sure to share it <laughs> because then from there more people will get to see it because not everybody either likes, you know, Plug It's Live, F5 Live, Pilch Point, Laptop Mag, Tom's Guide. Not everybody likes those pages and so it'll help us get the content out. So, Yeah, I think, I think that's really a more likely way that people will find things is if people really like the article itself yeah rather than liking that you know I, I wish you everyone would just love everything that we do equally but uh you know they're all my children all my articles read them even the even the ones that are four paragraphs long but the but i i, I do but i i do think you know how things are gonna are get get out and how they're going to get out is is that way yeah uh that and me taking uh, that and me taking pictures of, of uh, my cats and my son uh, reviewing the gadgets so that go. I can beat this algorithm. There you go. Yeah, so long as you can include a cat or a child, chances are you'll have a, a better hit rate. So <laughs> <laughs> it is the internet after all. Yeah. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove. Uh, 40 million plus tracks available to you for unlimited streaming, unlimited downloads on three devices for only $9.99 a month. Uh, right now, you can get a 30-day free trial and you can uh, purchase a full year for $99.90, which is the price of 10 months, so you get two months for free. Um, I use it on lots of devices, and you can use it basically anywhere, on Windows or Windows Phone, Xbox One and Xbox 360, iOS, Android, or just in your browser for streaming and downloading, and you can get all of those deals by going to f5live.tv slash groove. So, obviously, obviously we're not all living under a rock we're all aware that there are lots of music streaming services out there groove is not the only one it has uh the largest track count of the big guys uh, with 40 plus million but there are others out there and some of the things that make some of those other services um appealing can be ex exclusivity on content it can be um improved sound quality. Everybody, you know, works on particular gimmicks. Um, some services have uh, free and paid tiers. You know, everybody has their way of separating themselves. Uh, because unlike Android tablets, this has not quite become a commodity yet, <laughs> right? So um, there are ways to differentiate, differentiate yourself in the industry. Um, one of those companies that has tried desperately 
to differentiate itself in the industry is a company called Tidal. Um, it got started uh, and then purchased, and its big focus was on the sound quality, the fact that uh, not just MP3 was available, but also FLAC, which for audio people, um, you'll know that FLAC is a lossless audio uh, standard. It means that the files are significantly larger. In MP3 for CD quality, it's about one megabyte per minute. So, you know, a normal song, you know, from your from your music collection, a normal song is about three to five meg. Um, in a flack song, that three to five meg tends to be in the 150 range. So it takes up significantly more space, uh, but it does not have the compression that MP3 has. And so that was one of the things that Tidal kind of focused on. Well, we've talked a lot about Tidal's problems on the show, on the site, and kind of around. Um, they have less subscribers than even Beats Music had, which is an accomplishment. And with that being said, the report this week is that Tidal is in talks with Apple to... Uh, transition into their little corral of f- formerly failed streaming services. <laughs> <laughs> I like that it's a corral. <laughs> it, is it a golden corral? Um, I I believe um, it's like bronze, maybe. <laughs> uh, because yeah. because you know even even together. Uh, these services would not uh, equate to half the subs- half the paid subscribers of Spotify, for example. Uh, <laughs> so it wouldn't be the golden crowd because it wouldn't be the the first. <laughs> maybe bronze, maybe maybe silver. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's an interesting idea. And at at first look, you would think, oh, Apple Apple would be purchasing another incredibly struggling streaming service why might they be interested in that and first uh we'll talk about what they did with the their first uh failed streaming service acquisition they turned it into apple music and they now have 15 million subscribers which is a huge increase from the like eight people who were subscribed to beats music before it became apple music um because i don't know anybody who was subscribed (laughs) <laughs> to Beats Music. Uh, it had an interesting concept, the fact that you could have the family plan, which was kind of unique to it. Uh, but I don't know anybody who actually took advantage of it. And now it has 15 million subscribers because they put the Apple name on it. They didn't change the branding or the software at all. Um, and it grew. So could they take advantage of that history with title? Potentially, but that's not why they want it. Just like that's not why they wanted Beats Music. They wanted to purchase the um, lower cost streaming contracts that Beats had with particular artists. Uh, that was that was the big allure for them with uh, with the Beats Music brand. In this case, uh, there are a number of artists who have exclusive deals with Title who would then end up in Apple's control. So it could be 
a big deal for them to end up with the exclusive streaming contracts with people like uh, Jay-Z and um, uh, Kanye West and people like that. There's, there's some 20 plus major artists who have exclusivity deals with title who could all of a sudden find themselves with accidental exclusivity deals with Apple music should title become part of Apple. Yeah. So my, my colleague Henry Casey actually wrote a great article about this on Tom's guide, uh, just, just Friday. And it's interesting. Uh, you know, he points out all of the musicians that you'll, or a lot of the musicians that you'll get, you get Rihanna, you get some Kanye West content, uh, you get lemonade from Beyonce. Uh, so, uh, you know, that right there is probably, like you said, the main reason that they would do it. I mean, if Apple wanted to provide flax of, of iTunes software, I'm sure that it could. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I can't imagine that that's that that aspect of it is part of their business plan. I think that's an accidental part of the purchase. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, Apple likes to position itself as the the artists' uh, streaming service, right? I mean, look at all of the hoopla that they have put on when they've had their Apple Music events. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, getting uh, his name Jimmy Iovine, Iovine, uh, to come up and give his little speeches, and getting uh, which, Drake which on I stage. Still, I still maintain that purchasing Jimmy Iovine was the biggest part of purchasing Beats. It wasn't the headphones. It wasn't Beats music. They wanted him on their payroll. So they got a lot of like street cred in the music business mm-hmm. for getting people like that. But then there was a certain segment of popular artists that were still on title. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I remember, you know, I don't keep up with the streaming, streaming politics as, as, as well as some of my coworkers do, but I believe there was some talk that like Drake was going to put something on title, but mm-hmm. then he became a spokesperson for Apple music. Yep. So, so now, like, you have the service, and isn't uh, Taylor Swift on title? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so now after you have- her after her open letter to Apple about how much they sucked when it came to uh, artist relations, she went right. and signed an exclusive deal with Title, and that may all end up backfiring. <laughs> Exactly. So now Apple gets to acquire or whatever you want to <laughs> call it, the rights to all of these oh. artists. Title was, I mean, really what Title's main selling point was, was this exclusive content. And the reason they had this exclusive content is that it was run by artists mm-hmm. who made deals to get to pay other artists a lot more money. Right. Right. Um, and if you haven't been paying attention lately, artists want their money. Um, the, I mean, during the Grammys, did you see the Grammys this year? No. Um, where they had gave some speech. I think it was with the head of the RIAA and Common. 
together gave a speech about streaming saying that the average song stream uh the artist earns less than a penny and your music is worth more than a penny so don't sign up for streaming services or something like that which is really weird considering that they license the stuff to streaming services like it's your fault right like you don't like to pay spotify that little money don't don't do it well there are there are artists who don't do it right i mean Mm -hmm. prince didn't do it uh taylor swift pulled her stuff from a bunch of places so you know i think that is a battleground now is like who's going to pay the artists Mm -hmm. the money that they want um and you know apple Apple has the deep pockets. Maybe Apple sees like, hey, title is a threat to us in the sense that we're trying to be seen as the place that has exclusive content, the place that is the, place, the artist's yeah. place. The place right? for artists, yeah. The place for artists. There's no other, I mean, like, there's no other place for, for the Taylor Swift of the world to go. I mean, you know, they're not going to suddenly go to, to Spotify or Groove or, or back to, or to Rhapsody or something you know um those services are exactly the services that they don't like because they are just trying you know because they they aren't trying to pay the the artists the maximum amount um so you know i think this is uh, i think this is good for apple because it positions them as the like the artist's place which is what they've been trying to do with all their weird stuff like the Beats One, uh, what's it called? Is that is that yep. what's called the yeah. Beats One radio station? Which is who who wanted that? Who asked for that? But it was, apparently there are people still listening to it. It was so. an existing part of Beats Radio of uh, Beats Music when they bought it. But you know, so I think uh, I think it makes sense for Apple. Um, what's it going to mean for? What is it going to mean for the public? Well, more more people want, you know, despite maybe my feelings about the Apple ecosystem, more people uh, feel comfortable in Apple's ecosystem. They do signing up for, um, you know, a really sort of outlier service and title. So right. I think it's, uh, you know, a win-win for, for both of those companies because title clearly not making it on its own. Yeah. So. And they, there's nobody else who would, and I don't think there's anybody else who would want them either. Mm-hmm. Like, because I mean, yeah, I can't, their whole. I can't see Microsoft wanting it. I can't see Spotify wanting it. I. Apple who, seems like the only people who might be interested. Because like, who wants something where it's all about paying the artist more? <laughs> you know, like, their goal. I mean, the goal of places. This is what people don't. This is what the artists don't like. That regular old music listeners like me do like. They've kind of turned music into commodity. Like, hey, it's nice and cheap now. Like, nine ninety nine a month. You can you can listen. You know, you can listen to as much as you want. Mm-hmm. Most of the new al- albums are there. Most of the old albums are there. Great. Do you know how much it used? to... I mean, holy cow! This is one of those things I'll be telling my son about. Back when I was your age, we had to buy albums. Uh-huh. And they cost like fifteen dollars, and there might only be one song that you really wanted to listen to, and fourteen and eight or nine not so good songs yep. on it. You know, that's what the artists want to go back to. Yeah, I, I think this is one area in which our experience in, in life has actually improved a great deal. 
music does not cost as much as it used to. I don't need feel a great need to own it. I'm very happy. Like every time I think about the money that I spend on a streaming service for music, I'm like, that's less than one CD a month. Uh huh. Great. You know, and I listen to stuff on there that I never would have listened, never would have paid, you know, bought individually. Absolutely. You know, uh, so kudos to the entire streaming universe, all of them, for doing this. Um, And, uh, you know, I think Apple. I think Apple is right to acquire Title. Um, I guess it's sad story for those who were hoping that uh, Taylor Swift and Jay Z would give up and put their content on t- to Spotify. You know, yeah, and well. to groove onto like onto everything. Now it's almost sure certain that there. You know, the whole point of this for Apple would have to be the exclusivity. Right. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see if they. If they pull it off, uh, there's always the possibility that Jay-Z may say, no, thank you, go away. Um, but, you know, I, I saw one thing uh, this week where they said, uh, why did Apple meet with Tidal? Because why would you say no to Jay-Z? <laughs> so. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it gives them, it, gives them, it, it, it keeps them where they want to be, which is to be known as, as cool. Right, you exactly. Know, Apple wants to be cool. Right. So. Because it's the thing they have going for them is because just like we were talking about in in the Android tablets, uh, most of most of the the gadget market, not just Android tablets, but most of the gadget market is essentially commoditized at this point. And so, how has Apple always dealt with that by trying to create uh, an attitude toward their product? Exactly. So. so. This is for this is this is a this more I think about it, it's a great move for them. Absolutely. Yep. And that's our show. Uh, if you've been following along live, thank you for joining us. Um, we've had people in the chat room uh, watching live all evening. We appreciate it. If uh, if you haven't been watching live, or you would like to subscribe to the show, or to check out all of the other shows. Available from the Plugkits Live family of content, you can do that by going to plugkitslive.com, clicking the subscribe buttons on the right-hand side. You can get uh, this show, F5 Live Refreshing Technology, the Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, the 3000 Brigade, our special events, uh, the old Nightcap episodes, and of course our new show, First Looks, and all of the new upcoming shows uh, that will be uh, hitting the site in the very near future we pitched a couple of ideas last night we'll see what happens with any of them um hopefully our our listeners and viewers here in the united states will have a a happy and safe fourth tomorrow wherever you're going to be and whatever you're going to be doing um try not to make it stupid tomorrow is a day that you can easily hurt yourself with things that normally you would never touch. So uh, try to make good decisions tomorrow. Um, don't put yourself in dangerous situations because uh, as the internet has taught us with videos, um, bad decisions with fireworks uh, tend to be immortalized on YouTube. So uh, <laughs> with that being said, um, have a good fourth for those of you here in the United States. For those of you who aren't, uh, I guess, have a good Monday. And on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. 
I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back here next week. Ciao. Ciao.